Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. It's been a long time since we have expressed appreciation to our band, and I know that not all of them are here this morning, but can we just put our hands together and say thanks for the incredible band that God has gifted us with? Really, really grateful. And it's been fun over the last number of weeks to see different new faces kind of returning and coming back to our in-person gathering. And we want to welcome all of those uh, who have come back this morning, and maybe it's your first time since this pandemic. We welcome you. We hope that you felt safe, and we hope that you felt comfortable walking in uh, to Grace Crossing Church this morning, given our current protocols. And um, we also want to again say welcome to all those who are joining us Uh, here by way of uh, our online broadcast. We're really thankful for the community of people that God's allowed us to minister to. Well, this morning I stand before you on behalf of our leadership, our elder board, to bring to you a State of the Union address. Um, We felt that it would be important uh, just to give you an update of where we are as we kind of feel like this pandemic is beginning to move into the kind of the background a little more, and also before I move into a sabbatical here in just over a week. Now, you know this is an official update this morning for three reasons. There are flags, okay? You can't have a State of the Union address without flags, right? No, that's because it's Memorial Day, but there are flags. You also know that this is official because I actually brought this morning a uh, a folder along with some printed notes, okay? Very different for me. And I'm using a music stand. This feels really weird, <laughs> but it's important. So it's significant this morning to know that there are several things that we feel you need to be made aware of as it relates to Grace Crossing Church. Uh, as we again are nearing the finish line and trying to finish strong. Uh, with this pandemic and also some things that we've seen happen here at Grace Crossing Church over the last number of months. As this pandemic moved from weeks into months, we began to feel, obviously, the impact of it. And so this morning, we want to share with you um, an update on where we are and where we are trusting God uh, in our future. So let's begin with, I think, what probably many of you, when you saw that we were doing a State of the Church update this morning, were really eager to hear, and that is our updated protocols. Uh, We want to tell you that the elders, in consultation with the COVID care team, uh, that we have revised our protocols effective next Sunday on June the 6th as follows. Beginning next Sunday, masks are welcomed, but no longer required. In other words, masks will become optional. Yeah, it's okay. You can, you can applaud during the state of the church. That's a good thing. So masks will be optional for all. That includes adults, children, and children workers. Now, distancing will not also be required, but will be left up to your personal discretion. Uh, Obviously, as you have opportunity to space, you can do that as you are most comfortable. I would just say pay attention to those that may still feel most comfortable wearing their masks. Uh, I think it's really important. We do have some people here that have health issues, including my wife. We have others with immunocompromised conditions and circumstances that actually make it more challenging to be in public gatherings right now. And so let's just be sensitive. Let's continue to exercise a lot of grace with one another because that's what this church is all about. We're called Grace Crossing for a reason. 
And so we want to live that out in the way that we interact with one another, even as we begin to soften and ease our restrictions and our protocols, and we move back to maybe more a sense of normalcy in our worship. I want to say thank you to all of you because you have been absolutely resilient uh, over this last year plus as we've been moving back into our resumption of services. Many of you have just been over and above cooperative, and your heart and spirit has been remarkable and outstanding throughout this. And I just want to say thank you to each one of you for the way in which you have supported us prayerfully and the way that you have supported these protocols and honored what we put in place. I also want this morning to acknowledge the members of our COVID care team. We appointed this team early in this pandemic because we knew that we just simply couldn't do it alone without some experts that really had their their finger on the pulse of what was happening. And so they're not all here this morning, but I want you to join me in expressing appreciation to these individuals. JT, who was the one who actually uh, uh, chaired this COVID care team, Uh, Dr. Craig Borman, Dr. Virgil Hemphill, our children's director, Lindsay, and then Debbie, our administrative assistant. Would you give thanks to these individuals for just doing a wonderful job of serving? I also want to update you this morning on our live worship. You know, we, over the last number of months, obviously, as we began to resume services, we felt that it was in our best interest, the best interest of loving our neighbors as ourselves, not to have live worship. Uh, And I know that we've been in this for an extended period of time, perhaps longer than what any of us would have imagined. Uh, You know, it's, it's interesting because many churches that are planted start out with live bands and video speakers, and we just reverse the equation. We had, we had video worship and we had a live communicator. Uh, and, and, and I think the Lord has met us along the way. He's reminded us again that worship isn't about a band. It isn't about people who are up here leading. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to see a talented band lead us. And we're thankful for those that have given their lives and given their hearts to help Grace Crossing Church grow in this area of our musical expression of worship. But worship is so much more than that. And I hope we've learned that over these last number of months that worship doesn't need a point person on this stage for our hearts to rise to God in worship. However, you will be glad to know this morning that our live worship will resume weekly beginning on June the 20th. We will resume our live worship on June the 20th. There's been a number of things that have, that have delayed this. Uh, COVID obviously was where it began, but then we began to realize our own limitations as it related to personnel and individuals, including our creative arts director, being able to come and lead a live worship experience because of our broadcast. Uh, As we began to get that up, we realized the kind of time and energy and resources that were going to be needed to do that well. And it simply began to create some realistic limits for us that we felt it was important for us to be willing to slow down let them get the broadcaster arms around that in a really uh, uh, healthy way before we start moving back to live worship. Now, for now, we will continue with just one service as we've been doing. And we'll do that as we rebuild our in-person attendance and our volunteer teams, including our band and tech team. And what we want you to know about that is that you will not probably see a band like that up here the first number of weeks. We're going to start slow. We're going to start with a a smaller band, and we're going to then move in phases to begin to increase that as we rebuild over these next number of months. I said this early in the pandemic when I recognized where things were headed, that this was going to move from weeks to months. I said that I didn't believe there was a bouncing back from COVID, 
that we are not going to bounce back. We're going to have to build back. And this morning, I want to remind us of that, that we are intentional about rebuilding Grace Crossing Church from where we are today to where God wants us to go into our future. And we will do it the same way that we built Grace Crossing Church. We will rebuild out of this pandemic on our vision. Vision has always led us in the way that we have served this community, the way that we have served you, and we will continue to let our vision guide us. We see it emotionally. In fact, why don't we all say this together if you know it? Because this will be important for us this morning. If you know our vision statement, would you just say it with us? We see an emotionally healthy church filled with fully surrendered Christ followers whose hearts are set ablaze to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. An emotionally healthy church is not unlike an emotionally healthy person. In fact, emotionally healthy churches are made up of emotionally healthy people. And emotionally healthy people actually have three characteristics. Um, Self-awareness. In other words, they are in touch with what is going on inside of them. Emotional honesty. They're able to actually talk about and share in a healthy, appropriate way and give voice to what's happening in them. And then loving well, which is really, I think, the ultimate highest goal that Jesus set for the Christian life. Loving God, loving ourselves, loving others. Listen, you cannot do that without being emotionally healthy, without being self-aware, without being an emotionally honest person. And so emotional honesty involves being honest about our weaknesses, being honest about our vulnerabilities, being honest about our limitations. We don't always see limitations as a gift. In fact, I find it hard to accept a limitation as a gift from God, but I've learned to do that, and I'm learning to bring God into that and see where he's meeting me in the middle of my own limits. I think as a church, we are at a time where we've got to be honest about our vulnerabilities, about our weaknesses, about our limitations. We've got to grieve really well what has been lost, and things have been lost in the pandemic that I've grieved along the way, and there are things at Grace Crossing Church that I continue to grieve. It also involves, and this is the other side of being an emotionally healthy person and a mostly healthy church, is you not only grieve well, but you grieve well so that God can enlarge your soul. And you know, Grace Crossing Church has a soul. We collectively make up a soul here. And and the soul of Grace Crossing Church is something God wants to enlarge as we continue to grieve well what has been lost and we trust God with our future. I love what Jesus said in Mark's gospel, chapter two, verse 22. No one puts new wine into old wine skins for the wine will burst the wine skins and the wine and the skins will both be lost. New wine calls for new wine skins. The grace crossing church of yesterday is an old wine skin. There is a new wineskin that God is actually building here as we rebuild our future. And as we do that, what we are doing is we're opening up a new container for God to fill us with his spirit in a fresh way. I believe it's really important for us as we come out of this pandemic, not to simply see the goal to to be to return to what has been or what was, but rather to anticipate what will be what God wants to do in our future together collectively. 
So let me talk to you about our current reality and our limitations that we're facing. Like many churches, this has been an unusually challenging season for Grace Crossing Church. We obviously experienced people's differences of opinions on protocols, on face masks, on social distancing. Some believed it was too much. Some believed it wasn't enough. Some believed it was too fast. Others believe it's too slow. Even today, as I shared with you, our new protocols, there may have been some of you thinking, wow, that's too fast. There may be others of you thinking, what has taken you all so long, right, to get caught up? We've had limited services. We've had limited seating because of physical distancing. Imagining right in the middle of, we were in this generosity initiative that almost seemed to stall and lose its momentum. Some have chosen not yet to return. And all of those things are realities of where we are. And so when a president stands before the nation, it really doesn't make a difference what's going on. They invariably always include this statement in it. The state of our union is strong. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the state of our church is weak. I know what you're thinking. What pastor would want to get up and say that about where the church is? Let me speak to you for a moment from a natural perspective. From a, from a very natural perspective. GCC is in a weaker place than it was pre-pandemic. We are in a weaker place numerically. While we've added an online community, we have fewer attending our in-person services. We also remain in one service. I, I listened to a number of different leadership, church leadership podcasts, and two of the more recent ones, in fact, I received them this past week, one of the titles was, How Do You Shepherd or How to Shepherd an Invisible Congregation? The other title of the podcast was, How Do You Continue to Lead and Grow When Your Attendance is 40% Less Than It Was a Year Ago? We're not the only church facing this, but obviously it puts us in some ways in what I would call, naturally speaking, a weaker place. The good news is last week we had a record attendance since we resumed our services, so we're thankful. We are also in a weaker place financially. If you've been at Grace Crossing for any length of time, you know that we don't take up an offering. You know that we don't talk about finances every Sunday. There's a reason for that. There's a missional reason for that. That does not mean, however, that it isn't important and that we don't need financial support, quite the opposite. Like any 501c3 nonprofit, we depend 100% on the voluntary donations of God's people to meet our budgetary needs. So though you don't hear us talk about giving every week, it is an important spiritual matter that requires that we be open and transparent about where we are financially. So this morning, I want to share several very important updates on behalf of Lydia, uh, our church treasurer and our stewardship director. I asked her to compare um, the first quarter of 2020 to the first quarter of 2021. And here's what she shared. Donations have dropped 20%. Uh, we are not seeing as many donations from newcomers and those who only give when they're physically present here uh, in the building. The number of total donors at Grace Crossing Church has dropped nearly 35%. And overall, new donors, as expected, has decreased as well. 
In the middle of that, we've had 11 new donors that have onboarded during this pandemic, which is, we give thanks to God. And also worth noting that the average donation per giving unit has increased, which means this, that our current financial supporters continue to be over-the-top faithful and over-the-top generous in their giving and their support at Grace Crossing Church. We were in the middle of Imagine when this pandemic happened. And so some of you might be wondering, post-pandemic, where is Imagine today, five months removed from the culmination in November of 2020? Well, I can tell you that at the end of Imagine, November 2020, we had over $650,000 that we set aside for building, not including an additional $250,000 that has been pledged. As of April 30th, 2021, we now have 669,000 set aside. So the amount hasn't decreased. The amount has actually increased since the culmination of Imagine. This includes both restricted funds, in other words, those that have given directly and specifically to building, and unrestricted funds that are board designated from our savings to expansion. I know of at least one couple that shared with me post-Imagine that they felt directed by the Lord not only to continue their Imagine level giving, but actually to increase it. And we're thankful to, to the Lord for how people have just stepped up and have continued to honor the spirit of generosity, the spirit of Imagine at our church. Beyond Imagine, we want you to know there are several um, other updates and improvements and maintenance issues that will be addressed and need to be addressed in the future such as resurfacing our parking lot, regardless of when an expansion would happen, it'll need to be addressed. Potentially recarpeting our facility. Uh, we are now 12 years in this building and there are just things that will need to be addressed as we move along. I can tell you this, these will not be done in place of Imagine. These will be done in addition to Imagine with monies that we have restricted or that we have designated, that we have placed into savings for just such a time as this. So as I share this, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that from a financial perspective that while we find ourselves in a leaner season financially than we were during Imagine and pre-pandemic, we are very happy to report that we are positioned well financially as our leadership has stewarded the resources well during our years of surplus. In addition to all that set aside already for Imagine and potential building expansion as the Lord directs, we have actually set aside money in our general savings at $230,000 that's there for just such a time as this. We've tried to steward well God's resources, just as the scripture says, so that when we hit the leaner times, that those years of surplus can be a blessing and a gift to us to help us along the way. If you have any desire to see a deeper look and dive deeper into our financial story, um, we update every quarter a updated financial report, financial statements to our website. You just need to go to the landing page, drop down menu donations, and you'll see there, and you can see a, an updated report all the way through April uh, of 2021 of the financial statements that Lydia puts up each and every week. So we are in a weaker place numerically. We're in a weaker place financially speaking. We're also in a weaker place with volunteers. Um, many of our volunteers have been a little slower to return than what we would have hoped, than what we would have desired. Uh, we recognize there's multiple reasons for this, but we recognize it puts us in a place of being a little bit weaker because we can only do what God calls us to do based on those that God has given us to serve. 
And we will only do our ministry to the level that God provides the resources, both financially and humanly speaking, uh, to, to take care of the ministry he's called us to. And finally, I would share with you this morning, and this is a little more personal, but we are in a weaker place physically. You know, Kelly's health has obviously created a sense of a, of a new limit for us as leadership and as the lead pastor here at Grace Crossing Church. Uh, we have yet to see, obviously, what that will mean into the future. What we do know is that we are going to go into this trusting fully in God, being lifted by the love and support of not only our biological family, but our church family, and we believe that God's going to give us victory as we walk through this. We don't know specifically how that will happen, what that will look like, but we do know that, that we are in a weaker place, physically speaking. And so I would ask you this morning, what if? What if weaker is God's will? What if? I mean, what if... What if being in a weaker place is right where God wants us? That we are not boasting in our strength, that we are not boasting uh, in what we can do or what we can accomplish. What if being weak is exactly the will of God for us? As I read scripture, I think that to be the case. Paul was reminded of his own weakness Three times asked God to deliver him from it. And here's what God said to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. How counterintuitive is that? So that the power of Christ can work through me. Listen, friends, our weakness plus God's power equals all glory to God and not glory to us. We will take no credit. We never have and we never will for all that God does and all that God can and will do. So as we pray for our future, we invite you to join us. We, we ask you to pray that God will enlarge the soul of Grace Crossing Church. There is a new wineskin that God is creating. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to see the new wineskin that God is putting in, in place. Uh, it actually began already as our elders are now shepherding this church as a team of elders. What a beautiful new wineskin that God has brought forth and that is being such a blessing and a gift to us in this season that we're in. So let me just close by sharing this. What can our leadership do during this season? And what can you do during this season? Well, here's what our leadership can do. Our leadership can pray and discern God's will for how we rebuild. How do we strengthen our kingdom initiatives, discipleship, and mission? What ministries is God asking us coming out of this pandemic to start, to stop, to strengthen? Secondly, our leadership We'll continue to exercise wise stewardship over our resources, over Imagine. We'll have to reassess what our projected needs were for expansion before this pandemic and what they will be coming out of this pandemic. We'll have to prayerfully steward resources 
in what we have saved in the years of abundance for this leaner season that we may find ourselves in. And thirdly, our leadership can remain spiritually and emotionally healthy. Because the best gift that I can bring to this church, the best gift our leadership can bring to this church is our own transforming selves, our own relationship with God, our own relationship with our families, where we are living a life that is honoring to Jesus and being a model for the body. What can you do? Three things. Three things I'd invite you to do this morning. One, you can pray. You can pray about all that I've shared this morning and you can pay attention. Pay attention specifically to what is God saying to you. The body is made up of many parts, but we're all one. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. When one part suffers, we all suffer. And how do we enter into this together? How do we share this together? Ask God and pay attention. Secondly, you can ask God where he might be inviting you to serve. And then take a step and get involved. Make yourself available. You can go to our website and go to ministries and to Team GCC, which is what we call our volunteer community here. And under Team GCC, you'll find expectations and also a contact us form to get in touch and find out more about how you can get involved. And finally, as we close, the third thing you can do is you can prayerfully consider becoming a financial stakeholder at Grace Crossing Church. We have so many that have been financial stakeholders through the years. And our church is where it is today. We are sitting where we are today because God has put financial stakeholders in our church who said, I don't want to just attend. I want to be invested. I want to be invested in the work of God's kingdom. And maybe some of you have been. Maybe it's, we'd ask you to pray about onboarding again. Some of you maybe have never taken that step. We'd invite you to pray and ask God, about becoming a financial stakeholder, especially those who consider Grace Crossing Church their home. You can go to our website and under the donate tab, you'll find information there about ways that you can donate. And we have multiple ways online, through bank uh, web pay, um, through text to give, obviously through mail and through bringing a physical donation here to Grace Crossing Church. I'm gonna invite Pastor Life to come this morning and just lead us in prayer together. And I'm gonna ask you all to stand with me as we pray. We, we need God today. And we know that we need God into our future. And so would you join me and let's pray together for where God may be leading us here. Let us pray. Father God, um, as a church, we saw even on the bumper of describing our church that you've called us to be transparent and genuine. And that's what's laid out here. There's no, no smoke and mirrors, Lord God. You know we just want to come with our soul, the soul of Grace Crossing Church, as Pastor Gill has said. And our soul is who we really are as a church. And that's been laid out here so well this morning. And the church is each one of us standing. It's each one of us at home listening um, that is called by you to be a part of this church. And I ask, Lord God, by the power of your spirit, you know we're in a weak place, and we bring that to you. But we serve an almighty God, and we want so much for you to fill the gaps with your grace. Fill it as with gold, Lord God, so that it'll shine and bring you glory 
that you'll get glory out of these weak areas, that you'll get glory out of the vulnerable places, Lord God, that we are right now, just like Paul spoke of. And it wasn't just him, Lord. He spoke of the whole Corinthian church that was weak. And that's where we are. And so help each one of us to lock arms a little tighter, to know that we really need each other more right now, and to get on our knees a little more often and seek you and become desperate in these places, not only for ourselves, but just on behalf of us as a church, that we would cry out to you and sense where your spirit wants to move us personally and then where your spirit wants to move us as the elder team and the leaders with some of these issues that were brought up. But we need you. We love you. We thank you that you thrive when we're weak, that this is a platform for you to come in and for others to see you more. And that's simply all that we want done. We want to bring you glory with whatever we do. So help us, Lord God, in our individual steps that you want us to take and the steps that you want us to take here as a church. We release it all into your hands and surrender it to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated and turn your eyes to the screens now as we get ready for our the end of our series. Let me ask you this morning, if you could be and spend time with any character in the New Testament, who would you pick? Uh, let, let, let me rephrase it. If you could spend time with any character in the New Testament other than Jesus, come on, he's off, he, he, he's not available, right? But if any other character you could spend time with, who would you pick? Which one? Uh, Kelly and I have been watching The Chosen. What a great show. If you've not seen it, get on the app, find the app, and begin watching The Chosen. I love how they portray the human aspect of Jesus' relationship with his disciples. They were just such a motley crew that got assembled. I mean, you've got Matthew who's portrayed as somewhere on the spectrum of autism. You've got, you've got Peter who is absolutely the hothead. And then they've just onboarded uh, Simon the Zealot who was going to, at all costs, had been raised to overthrow the Roman government. He's ready for war. Now, why would Jesus assemble all these people? They're, they're, they're just such a unique bunch of characters. Now, who would you pick? Well, I would actually pick one who isn't one of the 12 original disciples. If I could select any character from the New Testament other than Jesus that I would spend a little time with, I think I'd want to spend some time with James. Not because James is 
the biological brother of Jesus. I mean, that's important, right? How cool would that be? And not because James was one of the founding leaders, the founding fathers of the Christian church. I'd love to tap into his mind, his heart. But the reason I'd want to spend some time with James is because James, unlike all the other people and authors in the New Testament, James actually gives us the practical side of faith. Where all the other authors actually talk about faith from a heavenly perspective, James gets right down into the weeds. And he talks about faith from a very practical perspective. James actually likens faith to a physical body that has a spirit, that has personality, and that actually has a face which can be expressed. James chapter 2, verse number 26. Just as the human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. A physical body that has no oxygen is dead. None of us here would argue that, right? We understand that. You understand that a physical body must be animated. A physical body must have movement. A physical body must function. A physical body that actually expresses itself is alive, and one that doesn't, where the life has been removed from it, is simply a dead corpse. And what James is saying is James is saying faith is very much like that. Faith that doesn't have spirit. Faith that doesn't have breath in it. Faith that doesn't have a face that you can see. Expressions. And and expressions that are sharing and living and animated. is not a living faith. James actually, a few verses earlier, poses two very probing questions for us to ponder. James chapter 2, verse number 14. What good is it? What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now let's just let's just ponder that one for a moment. The first question that James actually asks is a very simple one. If if we have faith that doesn't act, that isn't moving, that isn't expressing, um What good is that kind of faith? Here's another way to say it. Not every person with a Christian bumper sticker is a Christ follower, right? Not everyone who wears a Christian t-shirt is really a person with a living faith. What James here is suggesting is that there is a difference between saying and doing. There is a faith that says, and then there is a faith that does. So I think asking a person, um, are you a Christian, is a lot like asking me, do you golf? The reality is, if you're asking me, can I golf? Um, Certainly, I have done it before. Uh, I've been out on the greens. I've spent a day and did a round of golf. Um, I, I don't do it very well. But if you're asking me, can I golf, the answer is yes. But if you're asking me, do I golf, not if I can help it, right? 
None of I can help it. In fact, a few years ago, I sold all of my clubs and all my golf supplies just in case I ever got tempted again to say yes to somebody's invitation to golf. You know, being asked, are you a Christian, is a lot like being asked, do you golf? There is a sense that yes, we can, and yes, we may say we are, but, but doing it and practicing it are two very different things. And, and so what James is saying is, saying it's one thing, but doing it's another. And then the second, really more probing and more penetrating question he asks is one that would be good for all of us as we bring this series unshakable to a culmination. James asked this second question, can that faith save him? The question we all need to ask ourselves uh, is this, can my faith save me? Can can my faith, the way that I am living out my faith, uh, is it really redemptive? Is it really redeeming me? Am, Am I really practicing what I say that I do or believe? And sometimes in life, according to Christian pollsters, they're the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people in America say, I'm a Christian. But the reality is James is getting into the weeds and saying, listen, the proof is in how we live out our lives. And let me say this, unshakable faith must be evidenced. For people to know we have unshakable faith, they must see us in the midst of storms. They must see us in the midst of conflicts. They must watch our lives coming out of pandemics and saying, how are we now going to live out what we have claimed that we believe as followers of Jesus? And James goes on to ask a third question, verses 15 and 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? If after church you walk out into the parking lot and you're getting in your car and somehow you slam your fingers into your car jam, and you're standing there writhing in pain with bloody knuckles. And along comes Pastor Gill walking by you. And he says, hey, that, that looks pretty painful. Looks like that really hurts. I feel for you. Have a great day. Bless you. All right. You would not just be angry about your knuckles. You might be a little irritated at me, right? That that was the kind of way that I expressed my concern. You know, faith is not just what we feel. Faith is how we choose to act and react. It is how we choose to live out our lives in everyday experiences with those that we interact with. You know, I can say all I want that I love and cherish my wife that she's still, after 37 years, the apple of my eye. I can say that I value and I put a high premium on marriage, but if I don't do anything to show her she's cherished, if I don't do anything to show her that the, the amount of my love for her, what good is saying that I value marriage and that I value her if my actions are not put into practice? That's what James is saying. In fact, the writer the Apostle John actually ratchets this up to another level. He actually says, this is, a, this is an issue of love. In 1 John chapter 2, 
Here's what John says. Do we have that? Yeah, first, I'm sorry, chapter three, verses 17 and 18. If anyone, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What James is saying is, is this, John really affirms it. Real faith is moved by real love with real solutions to real problems. Real faith does something because of love about real problems and brings to bear their faith on saying, I want to be part not of your problem, but of your solution. I want to help. I want to do what God is asking me to do. We cannot deliver everyone right, from their afflictions, from their difficulties. But who is God asking us to serve, to love, and to come alongside of because of our faith? And are we willing then to move and to take action? Is our faith alive and animated? James goes on to say this in verses 18 and 19, back to James chapter two. Someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. About two years ago, I got my pictures from elementary school. I'd never seen them, um, never remembered we had even gotten them. And so it's now, you know, decades removed. But going through those pictures, it, it actually stirred some memories for me. And I was remembering certain experiences in my childhood of doing show and tell. Now, I don't know how many schools still do show and tell, but how many of you remember show and tell when you were a kid? Going into the school, taking a favorite toy, taking a book, taking something that meant something and talking about it. What James here is saying is this. He's saying, listen, faith that's true faith, that's unshakable faith will be put on display. There'll be exhibition. You'll show it forth. I suspect if James lived here today in the United States of America, he'd live in Missouri because it's the show me state. He would go, I want to be at a place that says show me. Because faith that is true, faith that is living, faith that is unshakable actually shows forth. There's evidence of it in your life. And here's how James closes his comments. He actually uses two physical, personal illustrations of people that his audience would have been very familiar with. These are two contrasting illustrations that James uses. The first one he uses is found in James chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now, let me just parse this for just a moment because it was 25 years before God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and be willing to do that, 
25 years earlier, God called him righteous. Simply because he believed God. Simply because he trusted God. Abraham had done really nothing that was notable up until that point, but he trusted God. And the same is true for us. The moment we trust God, the moment we put our faith and we believe, we're called righteous. Not because of what we do by works. We're called righteous because Jesus already did the work for us. But it doesn't stop there. There must be a willingness for us then to put our faith into action. And that's what Abraham does. He doesn't just believe in God, but he trusts, he listens, and he obeys. He does the unthinkable. He's not only willing to take him and sacrifice him. He is the one who cuts the wood. He is the one who builds the altar. He is the one who gets the ropes and ties him down. Like, how crazy is this? But he's doing it because he believes that regardless of the outcome, God is going to raise his son back to life. He had that much confidence in God. And of course, many of you know the rest of the story. God never asked him to do it. God simply wants to know his willingness. He is now justified, not simply by believing, but he is shown to be justified because of his works, because of his action. Because faith had a face, it had expression. Here's the second illustration that James uses. This is remarkable. Verse number 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Time does not allow us this morning to unpack this, but you can find it in Joshua chapter 2, the story of Rahab who gets these two Israelites that are committing espionage. They come to spy out Jericho, and Rahab actually protects them, hides them, and then gives them safe passage out before they're caught. And here's what James does. James elevates Rahab to the level of, of Abraham. I mean, how crazy is this? How, how unthinkable is this? I just, just think for a moment about it. Abraham is a man... Rahab is a woman. Abraham is a major character all through Scripture, the father of our faith. Rahab, very minor character. Abraham is a Jew, God's favored people. Rahab, she's a Gentile. She's a non-Jew. Abraham is a spiritual patriarch. Rahab is a prostitute. For crying out loud, what James does here is James says, listen, I want you to know that it was their faith in God evidenced by works, faith that had a face, that actually was animated, expressed itself, that God paid attention to. And God said, listen, I honor both of them. The crazy part of the story with Rahab is she's actually in the lineage of Jesus. If you read the lineage of Jesus, Rahab appears right in that lineage. So God used her even though we would say her lifestyle was anything but acceptable to God. I think if Scripture shows us anything, it's this, that God always responds to faith. I want you to know that this morning. As we close out this series, I want you to know your faith matters to God. What you do with your faith matters to God. 
How you respond out of your faith matters to God. And God's paying attention. God's watching. God's aware. And God is just waiting, not to condemn, not to bring a lack of blessing, but rather the other side. God is looking for ways and times to lift us up, to honor us, to bless us, to favor us, to say, well done, because your faith did something. Because your faith moved in obedience to me, you cooperated with my will, even if you didn't know it was my will. You were doing my will. And God was taking note of it. God was honoring So I remember early in my Christian life as we close, I remember early in my Christian life being asked a question. And that question was this. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence of faith to convict you? Think about that for a moment. If I was arrested for being a Christian, a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence to actually prove that I was? that there was no denying it. Unshakable faith is a faith that is proof positive, that God exists, that we love him, and that we are willing to get in the weeds and do the hard work that God calls us to, even when we're the only ones doing it, that we trust him and that we'll obey. At the end of Paul the Apostle's life, he He shared this in the final letter that he ever penned in 2 Timothy. Here's what he says, chapter four. I have fought an excellent fight. I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course with all of my might and I've kept my heart full of faith. My prayer for you, for me, for this church family at Grace Crossing Church is that that will be our story that we will fight an excellent fight, that we will get into the arena, that we will become vulnerable and weak and dependent and needy on God, that we will finish the course that God has called us to, that we'll run with endurance the race before us, and that we will maintain hearts full of faith in God, full of trust in God, and full of faith in our fellow brothers and sisters, that God can be trusted. I want you to worship this final song, then we'll close, but let me just pray before we do. Father, I just lift up our hearts to you today as we bring this series unshakable to to the finish line. I echo the words of Paul the Apostle. May, Lord, we too fight a good fight. This is not about how we feel. It's about making the right choices. May we, God, run this, this full race And finish the full course of what you've called us to. And may God, we keep our hearts full of faith because it is for you, Lord, that we live and through you that we we move and that we have our very being. You are the one who animates our faith. So we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to do that in the days ahead. Pray these things in Christ's name. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.